Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Linking the Travel Industry, where we discuss travel industry news you want to talk about. Before we continue, a bit of housekeeping. I see a lot of new faces, which is fantastic in the audience. So just a bit of background. We do record the session uh, because we do make it available as a podcast afterwards, which uh, I shall tell you about towards the end of the session. So stick around for that. We absolutely welcome audience participation. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discuss here today, please raise your hand and we'll get you on stage. Um, so with that out of the way, my name is Rian and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we help travel management companies gain insight into and take control of their businesses. And as of late, we are delivering travel booking data acquisition, normalization and automation for corporate travel buyers as well. And I am Anne. Welcome to our LinkedIn Linking the Travel Industry event. I'm associated with the brands LeapShift and ExploreTech. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in business travel in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. Now, guys, it's fantastic to see all the new faces in the audience, as well as the very familiar ones. For those joining us today, thank you so much. We really appreciate you giving us your time. So the format of this discussion is a discussion between us around a post I do on a Friday, where I listed some interesting and relevant travel industry-related stories and a few others that might have come up in the meantime. And thankfully, Ash, for the first time, we have a non air story to start with, which was my story about uh, rising hotel prices that could be a challenge for travel buyers in 2023. That was posted by the Business Travel News Europe, and they talked about the fact that hotel prices are actually on the rise. Any surprises there, guys? And did you read that story? Yes, I read it. No surprises there at all, I must say. All the prices are rising, right? That's right. I read an interesting story by Harvey Lyons out of Dubai, where he was recently on a family trip, and he was saying that you know he lives in Dubai, where he thinks things are expensive, and he's used to paying high prices. <laughs> but man, did his eyes water at some of the prices he was paying for not only hotels but entrances to amusement parks, etc., in the states. So he was uh, he was commenting mm -hmm. on that as well. Ash, any surprises there? Yeah, so I think that uh, this is definitely a going to be a hot topic in 2023. And I think that a lot of the travel managers and those that are buyers of travel are going to have a really hard time trying to control costs. Just this past week, STR and Tourism Economics just uh, released their uh, hotel forecast uh, report for 2023. And they actually had to revise their previous forecast that they did just in November. There's a new forecast just two months later. And in this new forecast, they're showing that the increase will be around two, three, four percent higher than what they even expected. So occupancy, of course, uh, is a big factor in all of this. We see pretty good occupancy level in 2023 projected at 64 percent. But overall, uh, hotel prices are going to be high. And I think that this is going to be tough battle for those that buy travel. Our next story comes from Saudi Arabia, where their 30 billion, with a B, uh, startup airline, Ria, gets off to a bumpy ride because it was reported that Tony Douglas left after just two months in his new role there as their CEO. So not a great start for that airline. Um, I can imagine plenty of uh, culture and operational type clashes as well as some other issues, but we can only speculate, right, Anne? We don't really know what happened there. 
was I was reading some of the comments on on the posts that I saw on on LinkedIn. It's fascinating. I mean, I don't know anything about them. You know, I mean, I, of course, I can't speculate. But like you are saying, uh, probably some cultural clashes. I mean, it must be it's mind boggling money, right? Yes. They have every opportunity in the world to really make it uh, a phenomenal airline. Ash, do you have the inside scoop there? Do you know what happened there? I have no idea what happened here. You know, you have a person who's got a lot of experience and know-how, and of course, uh, that was the reason why they hired him. But like you both said, I think that there is something going on here that is uh, probably just a reflection of uh, what he might have perceived it to be and what the reality might have been. And maybe they tied his hands in some sort of way and he didn't like it. So move it on. Let's see how they do without him and whose replacement's going to be. That would be interesting too. That would be fascinating to, to watch. Yes. Yeah. There were lots of comments comments saying that it should be Saudi, right? It should Uh be Saudi top management. Spread those comments. The next story evolved around um, American Express, global business travel, announcing that they will invoice clients an extra 3% on their ticket price on all bookings with Qantas purchased in Australia. And this kind of relates to the the move by Qantas to push all their NDC and newer type content to a central hub where Amex is saying they will incur a, a higher cost for that. And they're going to pass it on to the customer. Interesting, that's just 3% of the actual ticket price. I don't know how they got to that amount. Now they work that out as opposed to a flat fee. Ashley, we go to you first on this. Any comments on that? What do you think about this? If there is anything that describes what is wrong with our industry, this scenario is a microcosm of the reality of travel, right? There are so many of these little issues all around the world where customers are charged extra and these surcharges and all these little things that just happen. And whether it's invoice fee, credit card fee, I mean, the list of fees just goes on and on and on. In the US, we had something called the Southwest fee and American Express Global Business Travel implemented this. And even though the actual airline decided to go into the GDS and make their content fully available through the GDS, the fee still remained in the organization and it still was being charged to the customers. The TMCs have got to evolve past charging the little minuscule fees and start focusing on the bigger picture of travel. And when they do that, they will find themselves to be way more successful. I think that this is a big step backwards in terms of trying to make the end user feel like, hey, I want to participate in this ecosystem called managed travel. And unless managed travel gets back together, it'll just hurt the industry overall. And we've seen so many examples of this from so many TMCs, not just American Express, but really everybody around the world. You sum it up pretty well. And, And what do you think? Yes, it, absolutely. Ash, it's, it's spot on. I, I totally agree with you that travel management companies need to step up and see a more, a bigger picture. Well, but what's really interesting in this article, and that comes back to a topic that Rian and I discuss very often, is that they refer to the ongoing issues with NDC and the overall cost of NDC, which is really sad uh, to hear that because I still don't understand why you can't have, I mean, you use the same technology, you should be using the same technology as you used for your airline website. It should be no different. Yeah. So my gripe in this end is that why are you making the customer, the Mm. traveler, be responsible for your own internal distribution issues with an airline? So as a TMC, why are you passing it? I mean, just saying I'm going to charge you 3%. Okay, first of all, many people are going to say, well, okay, I can just go save by 3% and go on the website. So Mm. therefore, 
MX GBT, you're eliminated. Yeah. Now you have in the travel manager trying to hold it together. Now all of a sudden you see fragmentation occurring in the travel program, and now mm-hmm. it's hurting the overall travel program, right? So let's put yeah. that aside. Then yes. you have the actual effort that the agent has to make of the extra 3% charge. Then you have to have the invoice go through, and then you have to have reconciliation happen on the other side. Accounting departments involved, a you know, the your expense report now has been altered because you have a new line item. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just yeah. goes on and on and on and on and on. It's like I'm just like yeah. I get miserable when I'm when I'm seeing this entire thing. Instead, here's here's an idea. Why doesn't American Express GBT invoice the airline? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The airlines are used to sending debit memos to agencies. Why can an agency not send a distribution cost invoice? Yes, to the a airline? distribution, yeah, distribution cost invoice. I, yeah. I agree with you there. If there is, because I mean, if it is, if it's so broken, and they say that they, you know, it, it involves a lot of manual reissues, or it's it's not reconciled, reconciled in, in their systems, etc., 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 and it's not, of course, you know, content available. Yeah, there is a cost. We have somebody who raised his hand on this topic. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pronounce your name correctly, so why don't you do a quick introduction of who you are and your, your comment on the story, please. Guys, you can call me Push. Um, you know, great to be here. I'll be very quick. Uh, so I belong to the aviation industry uh, for the last 18 years, and I've seen a lot of things happening uh, with the market being stable, with the market being, uh, you know, crazy sometimes. So I think personally, there will be a time right now very soon because, see, everything is shooting up, whether it's cost, operating cost or giving cost from the customer. I think uh, giants like Airbnb or OEO Vision uh, Pictures and all these things wherein the freelancing of uh, hoteliers or entrepreneurs will play a major role uh, in the coming few maybe months or years, I think. And if aviation industry doesn't realize that if the cost factor is hitting the consumer or the client, I think road trips will be again in the fashion once again uh, because let's face it, you know, you are a CEO today, but because of uh, market crisis or because of the health issues going around in the world, if you can't travel a trip, you can plan a road trip. And I think the road trip uh, era and the freelancing of the hoteliers will be very soon introduced. This is what I feel. Uh, but uh, as as again, I said, mm, you know, the time will tell. And with all the latest uh, controversies and things going on in the market, we will be soon, I think, going back to road trips and freelancing of the hoteliers. So this is what I wanted to say. Thank you so much for listening. Actually, that's a really good comment because the road trip portion is an interesting concept. And I, I have to agree with you on surface there because I think that you're right on that. There was actually another survey that came out this past week where it said that business travelers were looking to shift their move away from air travel and move into things like car and as well as rails. So uh, there is definitely some value to what you're saying there, Push. And I think that you're on target and uh, great job on that analysis. My next story I absolutely love. This is this is really nice, and this is something you must like, right? This is right up your alley, where you talk about airlines having to be innovative and serving the customer. Um, it comes out of Tar Airways announcing that they've now made the credits of uh, Avios, which is the currency they use for their frequent flyers, to reward them. They make that available from two hours before you travel, so pretty much when you've checked in and you are at the airport, and then they've teamed up with the airport vendors to accept that currency as a way to pay. 
So encouraging you to spend that inside the airport. So there's like win, win, win all round. I love this. I, I used to stare at that, uh, you know, award screen from the airline and get so frustrated that it took them 48 or, or more hours to credit me with the flight I've just taken. And here they go and they do it just before you travel. And I, I suppose you like that story, right? Of course. They made my week. You know, it just made me so <laughs> made me so happy. And I thought, yes, this innovation. And, and of course, I mean, it's brilliant uh, how to uh, – it's, it's, it is a win-win-win. Do you have yeah. anything like that in yeah. the States, Ash, or, or do you wait for your miles to come through? No, we wait like a week or two weeks sometimes, yeah. you know, hoping for the best and, and crossing <laughs> your fingers. And sometimes, you know, you refresh a few times and, you know, when it comes in, you feel like you got won a lottery or something. But I have to say something about this whole thing about doing this in advance. This is kind of a tricky situation now. So, and I'm not saying people are going to do this, but let's face it, people are going to do this. What prevents me from buying a first class ticket, getting my points, uh, maximizing the points, going shopping at the airport, and then canceling my flight and getting a full refund <laughs> well there's there's always the, the edge cases right so like gosh um i do believe it's got something to do with you have to check in and then you get it um so you will be in that zone i yeah. think it's very difficult for you to get out of that it's not so easy so you'll be you know it's not like yeah we'll see um we'll see if it backfires <laughs> on I, I, come on nobody's thought of this i'm the only person who thought of this concept come on it oh, cannot be there was that guy in Japan, wasn't it, who used to buy a business class or a first class ticket and just went and used the lounge at the airport and then, <laughs> then, then refunded his ticket. And I oh, believe he did that. that. Another great idea, Anne. He, he did that for like a year or something. It was, it was a very, there was a lot of, of um, stories about that one. So, uh, um, yeah, maybe this will, you know, we'll see another um, perspective of fraud. Let's hope uh, Qatar Airways is not listening to this today. Point, 0.0001% of the people are going to screw it up for the 99.999%. By the way, um, shout out to all the audience members, all our regulars. Really appreciate you all being here. Alex, Mohit, Jonathan, I see here. A bunch of you. So really thank you very much. Uh, Stefan is here. Some new ones, of course, Miguel. If I don't say your name, I apologize. But uh, thank you all for being here. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely. We love it. Thank you so much. My next story uh, was just a comment, really, about the leading global destination from a tourist dollar spend perspective, and that still is Paris. So Paris is worth $36 billion a year in tourist spending. I wonder how this is going to change with the developments in Saudi Arabia, but of course, the rate of their airlines starting up not so well. I suppose there's, there's still a few years ahead for Paris, but uh, not a surprise, though, but just an interesting one, right? I didn't know that number was that high, right? And I, I knew Paris was obviously a great tourist attraction, but yeah. not $36 billion worth per year. No, so. that, that, that surprised me uh, somewhat as well. $36 billion is like yes. amazing, but I, I guess it is the city, isn't it? Not for me. I mean, I, I don't. I'm like, no, not so for me either. But. Well, hold on, hold on. It's it's a city of love. Okay, <laughs> so you can never not put love as the number one thing in the world. So that's why I think it is number one. I mean, everything about Paris screams hearts and love and attention and all sorts of wonderful things. So I actually hope that Paris remains number one because it is a city of love. 
you just mentioned all the reasons why I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> actually, what's interesting about that list is I was surprised, actually, the one that surprised me quite a bit. I didn't expect Mexico City to be on that list. Mm. I was a surprise they're at number eight on that list, and it's uh, pretty cool. I'm not really sure why they're on that list at number eight. You know, obviously, you have the pyramids that are there close by. So maybe that's one of the reasons why people are going to Mexico mm. City. So. And then my next story, I might need some help with understanding this in more detail. And Ash, I'm going to turn to you for that. But it was uh, posted by Katie from Festive Roads. It was a story that appeared on uh, the beat, so it was behind a paywall. But it was about American Airlines saying that they are now less reliant on contracted corporate travel and that their direct uh, share is growing. Um, and she's suggesting that the main reason for it, or the article suggests, that it was an increase in blended trips. So there's a lot more people doing that. And this, of course, this is going to have a, a bit of a knock-on effect. But I, I assume you, you understand what's going on here. Do you want to just tell us more about what you think this means? What is, what is American Airlines telling us? One of the things that the airlines have always wanted to do was to, well, there's two things. One is to reduce their reliance on the way people purchase their airline tickets. Number two reason is that the airlines do not like corporate contracted rates. Corporate contracted rate means what? That people have received a discount, right? And so when people receive a discount, you're not maximizing your product. You see American Airlines has been moving in this direction slowly and surely. Now, which one actually is more interesting to them? The direct share is definitely more interesting to them. They'll give you a corporate rate uh, if you can shift that business or give you better discounts if you can shift that business over to the American Airlines uh, direct channels, uh, whether it be AA.com or some version of that. The other thing about all of this also is that over the course of the pandemic, a lot of companies were not pulling their weight in terms of volume and they were not able to achieve their discounts. So a lot of those discounts have been eliminated on purpose because American Airlines, again, doesn't want to offer uh, something uh, at a reduced rate, especially when you have limited capacity as well and limited options as far as creating revenue. So all of these things are tied to each other. And, you know, the blended trips part, I kind of see that picture, but I'm not really sure if that assessment is 100% correct in terms of yeah. that's the reason why. By the way, we think it's really a, a, a smart move. If they can couple this with, with real value-added content and shift yeah, more to a direct channel. Ash, I know you just did a shout out, but I just want to also say welcome to I see Mustafa from my favorite city, Dar es Salaam. Uh, he's from FCM Travel in Dar es Salaam. So welcome, Mustafa. Thank you for joining us. And Alex and Stefan and a few other very familiar faces there. So thank you again for, for joining us. I do have an extra story. And Ash, I think my extra story might surprise you because it's on your favorite topic, which is... Space News! So I have a space news story for a change, um, which might surprise you both. I am totally impressed, Rian, right now. I'm <laughs> so here. impressed Same that here. you're doing this, because now I feel like my job here is done. I now <laughs> need to job. go convince others. You know what? We should call you. We missed the opportunity entirely. But you know what? We hate calling you the jam between the bread. We should have called you Space Jam. There we go. We missed an opportunity there. But there's an African space agency that was launched. Did you see that, Ash? I did not. And oh uh, I, shame on me. Shame on me for <laughs> yes. not knowing this. I cannot believe it. I'm, I'm Googling it right now as we speak, but go ahead. Yes, no, it was launched um, and it's, uh, there's, a, there's a huge building that was developed for it. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, the story just relates to the African Union Commission and the Egyptian government coming together and doing this. And they've launched the African Space Agency. So 
Gosh, has been saying to those listening in the audience who might find this a surprise hearing about space news, but it is very relevant to where you know the future is going, obviously. And so I just thought I'd add that to the fact that there is now an African space agency and um, the head, of, head office is located in Egypt. Um, yeah, it's exciting. So Ash, I'm sure you'll be onto that and telling us more about it next week, right? Oh my God, it's in Egypt right next to the pyramids too. Wow, this is great. Wow. I'm so happy. There we go. Do you have any extra stories, Ash? I do. All the airlines are recording great numbers for the fourth quarter, and JetBlue is not an exception. They actually recorded their uh, $2.4 billion quarter, the highest ever fourth quarter, and they are contributing a significant portion of that to the True Blue loyalty program, as a matter of fact. So they've seen that in 2022, that their loyalty program has seen a 50%, 50, 50, increase year over year in enrollment. And they've also seen a 40% year-over-year increase in co-branded signups. And so this is a huge, huge increase in numbers. And and you know about this a little bit more than I do, but from the numbers perspective, I found that to be incredible. And what they're saying is that the reason for all of this is, of course, uh, the fact that they've revamped True Blue, which is their loyalty program, but they've also expanded their relationship uh, with American Airlines as part of One World. So 2022 was a great year for JetBlue. I'm interrupting because I know you want, you sort of handed off to Anne there, but Anne, sorry, I just need to mention something else. Uh, you know, Mark Rossworth, obviously you will find this fascinating, but there was a related um, membership story, which was about, and I'm trying to find it now because I, I don't know the actual numbers, but there was news about the total number of people in the Emirates Skywards mm. program that's exceeded some sort of number. Did you read that? It was like... Um, yes, yeah. And I can't than, remember the number, but it's exceeded the... It was 30, very, very impressive. Th- there we go. I've got the numbers. 30 million members are now part of Emirates Skywards. Mm. It's it's unbelievable. Did Perfect. you see the latest from IdeaWorks? They also published a report last week on uh, the value of co-branded cards. Yeah, and it's just it's it's just incredible numbers. Like, Did you have an extra story that. for us? Yes, I quite a quite a few things caught my attention last week. I don't think it was posted on LinkedIn, but I was really impressed by Siemens Mobility, and they've been awarded one of the biggest contracts ever, Indian Rail. The the contract is worth three billion uh, euros. It's the largest locomotive order in the company history. So. Indian Rail is is very, very interesting. Transportation is very interesting to follow full stop. Well, and I think that if you look at the infrastructure of rail, right, I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and offer rail service. It's another thing to have the rail tracks laid out for you so that you can take advantage. And then, of course, the rail tracks being available for consumption because not all rail tracks can be used just because you have a a rail company. So all of these things have to come together. And when you look Mm -hmm. at the landscape of the rail network, you see that India, along with Europe, and I can't remember, I think I saw one other country, has an incredible amount of tracks laid out. So the yes. network is there for use if you if you want to. So it's not surprising that they would invest this in a country where there's already a huge uh, infrastructure already built. Now, let's just hope they do better mm-hmm. than the South African governments about six, seven years ago, ordered locomotives from Spain, and then they, it was the wrong size to turn up, and it was completely... <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. That's good. <laughs> Unusable. And, um, I wonder then, who lost their job from that one. <laughs> well, and then they got it fixed, and then uh, one of the trains drove... Uh, it was too hard for some of the tunnels it was driving it just completely wiped out oh. one of the tunnels as well so yes a big big conundrum so let's just hope they do better than that i'm sure they will we can trust siemens i i, I hope uh, yes, they've got a pretty good track sure. record yeah. no yes, pun sure intended nice one i like yes. that I caught that a little bit late that was good <laughs> 
And um, and then of course there was a th- there was another story, and very happy to see more of this uh, surfacing. That was Patrick Edman, who was interviewed by uh, BTN, and he's also posted on LinkedIn about the the scams for um, carbon offset. It's very interesting, you know, his thoughts on sustainable fuel and how we really have to scale it up. And he comes back to something that we talk about quite frequently. Actually, it's some shocking numbers. He said 90% of the carbon offsets that you pay for as a as a passenger towards it's it's not used properly. It's not used the way it should be. And that's terrible. And um, it doesn't it doesn't reflect well on the airline. I saw you interact with that story, but I was not wanting to spoil my weekend reading it. I mean, it's it's so sad. We have to we have to move away from this greenwashing. And and again, you know, and Patrick actually mentions that how EasyJet is doing a so much better work job with this. They're actually contributing, you know, they're doing something and they're not asking the, the public to pay to offset. Yeah, they are. They they are financing it themselves. That's right. Again, for those in the audience who join us today, I really thank you for your time today. And Anne and Ash from my side, thank you for your time today and your contribution. Thank you, Rian, for hosting in in the best of ways, of course, as always. And thank you to the audience. Thank you, everybody, for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call every Monday and every week, and it's all about linking the travel industry. Please share this event, as Rian just mentioned, with everybody that you know. If you enjoyed the session, chances are high that others that you know will as well. If you ever miss the show because of time zone or availability, you can always catch up on the session as a podcast on Business Travel 360 or by searching Business Travel 360 on any of your podcast players. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off.